and welcome to the next episode of Voice Club. It's another episode, obviously. That's what you're here for, aren't you? Gonna give it to you just a few seconds. Well, this is it. This is the introduction. It's always like, am I, am I gonna skip the introduction? You know, like, just get me, just get me to the episode. And you know, on, on YouTube, I've realized just how quickly people drop off in the introduction. And so I'm going to mostly stop doing those for YouTube. But I feel like maybe, maybe still there might be a little bit of space just to say a few things. And, and I would like to say just a few things today. Shouldn't take longer than a couple minutes. The first is that this is the longest of the three-part series I'll be publishing from a conversation I had with my good friend Samuel Austin. And the episode we first published together was a few episodes ago now that was to do with navigating mental loops on psychedelics. It's only short. So if you haven't heard that one after this, you might want to check that out because I think there's something about that riff there that is helpful for any of you seekers interested in navigating particularly difficult loops in experience. And yeah, so this is a conversation titled A Dance of Leela and Leela in Hindu philosophy translates as something like divine play. There's a dance-like element to it as well. And there's something I really like about that. There's something that feels right about the relationship between generative dialogue and play. I suppose the divine element comes from something about to do with how much of your you know, authenticity, how much of your vulnerable expression wends its way into the exploration. It seems to me at least that our authentic expression is intimately involved in our capacity to be more in, in touch with reality, more in touch with ourselves, more in touch fundamentally with the loving transformation of that relationship between self and reality, self and community. And there's something else that I'd like to just say just before we get into this. And that's uh, in one week's time, next Wednesday, there'll be the next Voice Club live event, which is a conversation with Maya Ward. And it's titled, Where is Mother Earth? I'm really looking forward to that dialogue. I won't say too much about it here. You can check it out on the Voice Club Facebook page or go to voiceclub.com slash events. And the second part of that event will be continuing our experimentation with collective intelligence and we've had some beautiful experiences so far of um, people getting together showing up and realizing meaningful insight really attending to those feelings of connection and disconnection that can arise in collaborative expression so if you're interested in coming along to that there's still a few tickets left and the final thing is that on the 30th of november i'll be doing a live performance of sorts it's a solo show, it's called Off Script, and I'm not actually sure what's going to happen in that. It's going to be held at a small theatre in the CBD in Melbourne, and tickets are available. Worth going to the Voice Club Facebook page and going to the events section to find out more about that. I'll release a video about that in the coming weeks, although it's not the easiest thing to say too much about, because fundamentally the, the aim of this experience is to feel into the feeling and the resonance on the evening and speak to what comes up to see what's possible group coherence wise in that kind of format. Now there's something obviously about the idea of a solo show and this notion of group coherence that seems a little bit jarring and 
I'm not really sure what's going to happen. It's very much an experiment. But if I attend to myself and the world, then there are things that seem appropriate to say from time to time. And I'll be trusting myself to realize what is appropriate to say. And if that connection cannot be held or achieved, then um, I suppose I'll just have to cut the whole thing short and <laughs> send everyone home. This is not going to be a lecture. This is going to be an interactive experience. I suppose the closest thing in a few words I can say to describe what I'm planning with this is something like performance philosophy. It's improvised performance philosophy. And there's something about that space, that energy, that feels appropriate to step into and to see what happens. So that's that. And without further ado then, I hope you enjoy this conversation. In the first 10 minutes, we're feeling our way into it. And you'll hear Sam introduce himself very briefly when we get to the sort of seven to 10 minute mark of the conversation. And from there we explore as Sam and I do often together. We recorded this one actually back in June now. So it's a little while between recording and publishing. And while I feel that we would wend our way quite differently given some of the experiences we've had since then, this still feels like a beautiful conversation to share. Planning actually to record something else with Sam before the year is out and to share that with you at a much shorter turnaround. So it'll be fun to pick up where we left off and come at it, hopefully in a more developed, mature and insightful way. So yeah, as is always the case, it's all a process. And I very much hope that there is some insight here, which you can take into your own, you know, self-participatory transformation. Mm. Wishing you a beautiful day. All right, let's get into it. We have in some sense begun, but the interesting thing about beginning is that that is the bit that's most absurd, I find. So sometimes when I go begin and then you just try and find your way in, mm -hmm. it's like you somehow have to even let that settle. Let me make, is there any like gum on my shoe? That's probably something as well <laughs> to be aware of. Oh yeah. Well, we know there's no beginning. So <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's useful. Well, Sam Austin, mate, it's been a bloody, a bloody pleasure to meet you. And I'm really glad that we're sitting down and doing this. So first of all, thank you for stepping into this space with me. Thank you for having me, man. I really appreciate that. Yeah, it's it's a strange thing to try and recalibrate to building a connection with each other and stepping into some creative space when there is this impending, I don't know, it's probably already set in the stage a bit negatively with a word like impending, <laughs> but when there's that third party, an invisible third party in the room, yeah. Because something that's characterized all of our interactions has been, there has been a safety to step into that space of real collaborative expression. What does it feel like to now be sitting here doing this? Yeah, there's definitely already a kind of tangible presence almost <laughs> that is frankly mind made, <laughs> right. but I'm very aware of it. And yeah, I, I agree. Most of our conversations have been, the framework has been anything goes essentially and it still is the case mm -hmm. but we're acutely aware that you know things can be perceived in ways that we don't actually intend so right. yeah. yeah yeah that is that is precisely it 
there's something about expression that requires a container that's appropriate for it, which mm. is uh, a thread that I've been working with for a long time. I mean, it relates to the idea, I mean, it relates exactly to what you just said. It also relates to, you can think about it in terms of when do you speak truthfully to, for example, a child about a particular experience, you know, they, do you give them the, the, the hard mm. dose of truth before there is some, somewhere they can be held when that truth perhaps overwhelms a particular conception of the world they had. And so there's that to take into account too. Mm. And then there's also what of yourself do you show when you're not precisely sure who is going to receive that mm -hmm. energy? What will they be doing with it? Even to use the word energy is something that I mean, it's, 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 it's so metaphorical in some sense that even my using it, I'm conscious that you and I can resonate or begin to resonate with what we might mean by that. Mm -hmm. But some listeners might already be like, whoa, what mm -hmm. energy, what's, what's, what's going on? Yeah. Well, I, I find it interesting as well that the energy tends to, for me, have more value a lot of the time than the words do. Right. Because the the energy that's exchanged in the conversation tends to tell me more about what the person's really trying to say than what their words are. That sounds pretty absurd, I think, when I've just said it. It sounds beautiful to me. Yeah, but it really is, it really does feel like you can pick up on, well, I suppose it comes back to something as abstract as telepathy in some ways. I had a conversation recently with friends where, where we were exploring that as a concept and what we come to realize is even in the word itself telepathy as you break it up tele and pathy seems to have its origins in like tele empathy and it's more about you're feeling the exchange mm -hmm. of the other person's energy mm -hmm. more than you're feeling more than you're seeing the, the words that are inside their mind you're feeling what they intend to say mm -hmm. and that itself seems to be a good natural container for conversations too mm -hmm. just to have pure intentions mm -hmm. a lot of the time when we're exploring these more controversial ideas part of what i really appreciate about our exchange is that we can entertain ideas without necessarily being identified with them mm -hmm. and with that boundary set we can then really dive into it to explore deeper than where we're, let's say, authentically at or embodying at this moment. And that would be a really useful framework itself, perhaps, yeah. to, to set in the beginning of podcasts like this yeah. for the ongoing progress of Voice Club. I agree with you. The idea being that the ideas we explore here ought not be taken to be mm. the sort of fixed representations of who yes. we are. Yes. Right. However, we also have to seed the expression of those, those ideas with a certain sort of intention that has a purity that can only come from some sort of authentic manifestation of who we are. Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, which is a strange oppositional thing to hold uh, as well.
But before we go too much deeper, this is, in some sense, we're not even entirely sure what we're doing here, but for whatever we're doing here, it's important, I think, that you uh, express to me, but also our audience, who you are. And I'd also like to hear about Live, Learn, Evolve, LLE. Yeah, no worries. Well, I'm playing the role as Live, Learn, Evolve founder, mm -hmm. which is the website's livelearnevolve.com and it's essentially a I'd say it's a kind of digital rabbit hole yeah. essentially it's a blog but over the years it's kind of it's evolved from being like a a site that's focused on self-improvement from the get-go mm -hmm. and slowly over time has explored various western philosophies then gone into more kind of eastern and esoteric subjects meditation yoga buddhism these kind of psychedelics and it's been a it's been a natural reflection of my own journey actually the content itself if you were to go through the pages of the site it's very much reflecting exactly where i am and the other writers and what i've been resonating with at the time has been the inspiration to actually share that onto right. the page right and so it's been very natural in its evolution that comes through quite a lot sometimes we have a certain conversation and I'll see something appear on the site or you'll share something uh -huh. and it, it feels as though that is something, that's something you're grappling with or, uh -huh. or battling with. That's probably my language. I usually battle with ideas. Maybe <laughs> you're slightly smoother than me. <laughs> but it's, if, if, I could, if I could sum up much of the focus that seems to be put forward, it's various pieces of insight into the process of transformation. Mm -hmm. It does seem to me to be that way. And I would say it's, it's the dance of transformation. That might be one of the core things that characterizes our shared interest. Mm -hmm. And the, the interesting thing about that is that that is perhaps the least unique interest you could actually have. <laughs> Although expressing it at a certain way, at a certain point of resonance with someone is necessarily unique. That's mm -hmm. another one of those oppositional kind of things. Mm -hmm. and that's, that's another strange, a strange tension that has just come to be ever more apparent in in my own experience which is that some of the most fundamental aspects of life of experience things you might be tempted to identify with as special and meaningful about your life are in fact of a of a source of a shared possibility that everyone can experience so some of the most meaningful things in life are in fact the most fundamental things there are to do. And that can be expressed in so many ways. I mean, you might think about it in terms of shared stories we all participate in. You might think about it in terms of archetypes. Mm -hmm. I know we often talk about and have that sort of dance between the relevance for expression between sort of uh, form and void or, or what is primary in some sense in how we ought characterize the state of experience that might be associated with a kind of like an, an emptiness or a, a no thingness mm -hmm. and then the other side of the coin so to speak the, the grasping of the world again the identifying with it again the, the the contemplating it the fixing it 
that process itself of, of releasing from identity and then grasping it again is in some sense an engine of the most profound nature. It's the most profound thing we do. It might mm-hmm. ca- characterizes us as well as a sort of like um, niche constructors, you know, as human beings, we're so uh, weak and, and, you know, everything is futile when we're born and it takes us so long to develop and we have this machinery that enables us to adapt and so one of the most fundamental things we are from all these perspectives is that which transforms and i, I we resonate strongly about that so it's it's it's, it's but it, so it's, it's it's this like is that we resonate i resonate but it's uh but but to resonate involves relinquishing the i that that resonates mm-hmm and here we mm-hmm. are f- filming ourselves <laughs> in the process. <laughs> so it's, it's it's so strange. Like it's like always the 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 coin flipping ever more, ever more meta. And in some sense, the absurd point of view is um, always there as well. You can you can. It's important to it's important to laugh at it. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So I guess that's a bit of a riff on transformation. But do you think that's a fair characteristic, like a fair characterization of of the transformation and LLE and the resonance that you look to promote? Yeah, for sure. It's definitely been a natural outcome of that dance of transformation, of of seeking actually myself spiritually, right? right. And then yeah, out of that, that which manifests as resonating with me has then supplied the inspiration to go and share that mm-hmm. with an article or a video or or even just on the facebook page how do you see your world developing now like how do you see yourself because it's a strange thing right we we participate in this interweaving web of mm-hmm. society and the cosmos that is so much larger than us but is I don't think, and I believe you hold the same view that we can't consider it separate from us in some fundamental sense. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so we are, we are, we are non-dual with it, yet we also have to take on roles at times, many roles throughout our lives, perhaps many roles in the same period of your life with, with different people where we perform different functions oriented still by that shared resonance hopefully mm-hmm. but the point is nevertheless we do fix ourselves in the world for certain certain purposes and i'm i'm genuinely interested in you and i'm genuinely interested in how you see yourself fitting the world what feels resonant to you in terms of concretizing yourself in it i don't have i don't put much energy into the future actually it's kind of dropped off a lot in terms of if you're saying about where might I see this path that you've seen formulating where it might go I have no idea and I actually have a preference for that because when I kind of give up any fixed goal of where it might go Mm -hmm. I find that there's a lot more freedom and whilst it's important that that I do set goals because I am someone that's very low on conscientiousness <laughs> yeah and by actually aiming for them and being aware that the goals can dynamically move mm-hmm. and adjust as you move forward a lot of this path has just been one of surrender it's been a lot of um giving up what i think about the world 
mm-hmm. and allowing reality itself to present its symbols and its signposts for me and then me following that intuitively in the moment and that's really where there's a lot of freedom mm-hmm. so yes there are a few things on the radar at the moment for the future where i think i may focus my attention yeah you know whether that's recently becoming a yoga teacher for example which i never thought i would have done at all right it was far off the spectrum but just using that as an example there were many many synchronicity synchronicities and instances whereby the people around me were out of nowhere suggesting that that is something that i should pursue without me even saying anything right however the feeling i get from you is authenticity you know and i don't want to put that too high on a on a pedestal i Mm -hmm. like so don't worry i'm I'm not (laughs) occasionally you appear authentic (laughs) (laughs) no i mean you do and what that suggests is that in fact what is reflected back to you should those relationships have a certain degree of honesty Mm -hmm. towards the direction of some real reflection well you'll receive information there that might help shine the light on something real for you to realize about your nature and i find that very resonant attractive necessary this attitude towards no fixed outcome however we also have to have goals and so there's a com- there is a conversation to be had about just what the process of reimagining those goals are and how all that works but and it, and it perhaps would not be right to formulate showing up in the world as authentic as itself being an outcome perhaps much more uh, i might say some sort of aligning yourself with an appropriate expression or way to be but that mode itself is it's allowing yourself to be realized in a way that's not solely relying on its own like it's not a perverted incestual way of realizing self i mean jung speaks about individuation as something that also has to be carried out in relationship with others and that idea is resonant with what we've already begun to articulate here as a sort of deeper sense of interconnectedness Mm -hmm. so yeah i I don't have a, a fixed place i'm really heading with this expression but there does seem to be a commitment the point is that there is a commitment here to a certain way of being even if it's Mm -hmm. not a commitment to a fixed outcome which Mm -hmm. i think perhaps is important to make conceptually clear yeah i would definitely um i definitely say there's been a noticeable shift in the way i ontologically orient myself in the world that has been quite profound and it's it's nothing new Mm. at all or or unique to me it's Mm. it's a shift from attention being focused on the inner narrative to attention focusing on the space between the thoughts Mm -hmm. it's like a um just a residing in the space of being through many years of just surrendering and listening in to the heart space to the intuition whatever you want to call it Mm. and then acting from there yes yes as opposed to the other way around which caused me a lot of suffering i think it causes a lot of people suffering you know the attachment to that inner narrative yes a lot of the time because it's a conditioned narrative or yes it's influenced by external things we don't have control over 
and that's that's brought about a lot of a lot of inspiration anyway in spirit mm. in spirit i understand i think that the articulation of acting from the place between stimulus and response is a critical articulation and learning the process practicing the process of embodying that disposition in your life is seems to me a necessary a necessary part of growth and transformation and ultimately self-transcendence it enables you to actually take the world in which is fundamental yeah you, you drop out of being confined to any particular lens as well in this some ways movement towards that way and mm -hmm. a, and perhaps it perhaps it's entire it can, it can go as far as entirely being that way although it's it's to describe the place from which there is no lens is in some respects i mean it that really is undescribable that is it's a pure it's a i would say that's a pure well like you might push back on this and it would be good mm -hmm. to put good to push back because i would say that it's a what came to mind would be to say it's a it's a pure chaos of experience however it does seem like the accepting of a place of no lens transcending that experience therefore of chaos is something that is attainable well i i tend to see i tend to see the if your orientation is primarily focused on the inner narrative to me that is chaos and the light of awareness by actually by apperceiving reality by dropping back into being mm -hmm. you're in some ways you're that is bringing order to the chaos mm -hmm. however that does put you in a in a strange position and i suppose it's always going to sound paradoxical when we talk about these things but it puts you in a place where where you're standing right now is facing the unknown mm. because you you're giving up any ideological lens or preconceived assumptions or whatever mm -hmm. and you're just facing reality as it is now and that to some extent can be akin to facing chaos yes yes no, i understand i would say the idea of associating chaos with too much attention paid to the inner narrative is right but it would seem to me that a more accurate way of stating it would be to say well precisely too much identification with the inner narrative leads to chaos it is also helpful to attend to the inner narrative attending i think the right word you used there was identification mm -hmm. as well that's mm -hmm. one that is part is more of an issue than attending to it yeah right right and but e but even then we take on roles for certain times mm -hmm. so perhaps a, a more mature way yet to refer to what it is to take on an identity or to attend to it as you perform it or to perform an identity in relation with other people in a situation in the world that that's something that ought be done lightly mm -hmm. to, to some degree right so mm -hmm. but then i but then i also feel what comes to me here is that it's it's worthwhile to express the importance of 
while we do release and while we well it is important to face the unknown we're not relinquishing absolutely everything about what is helpful to bring with you to navigate that space it's not i would say about for example completely abandoning all lessons of the past you know i i wouldn't say it, it's about regression although sometimes perhaps a little bit of fun on the slightly more immature or at least innocent side of things is necessary so when we're talking then about stepping into the unknown what is the kit that is in fact brought along that helps navigate this dance of transformation is what i'm saying do you do you feel me there do you feel yeah, there's something yeah. worth articulating yeah well i think what it perhaps comes down to is like is the importance of cultivating presence mm -hmm. awareness mm -hmm. you know whether that's through a daily meditation practice or, or or something where you're dipping into that space more frequently mm -hmm. so that you familiarize yourself with being mm -hmm. lensless if you want to call it that or, or just because in the beginning it's quite difficult you, there's there's whole sections in bookstores dedicated to mindfulness these days you know it's, it's it's recognized now as something that's important although i find the mindfulness word quite funny as in be mindful of mm -hmm. how full your mind is mm -hmm. but essentially that's almost like a westernized version a lot of the time of what has been primarily something that the, the eastern philosophy has been so focused on and they're not so much interested in in being aware of how full your mind is they're more interested in clearing the mind right and that is something that doesn't just happen instantly for sure there's there's certainly a a practice if we're talking about a toolkit mm -hmm. we're seeing those toolkits emerge right now yoga studios and breath work and psychedelics these are all ways to help clear the mind mm -hmm. yeah it's very it's useful to mention that because even in the in the spiritual spheres that a lot of people tend to to jump on the non-dual approach mm -hmm. of saying well we'll just wake up now and realize that you're not your thoughts and be done with it and it's just a spontaneous thing which can end now but there seems to be that is actually normally associated with some spiritual gurus or, or spiritual people that are uh, giving talks or they're they're running certain online education programs and this is our way etc mm -hmm. and there's perhaps a little set of the the relative aspect of awakening which is very much the dance mm -hmm. between surrendering back to being and then going back into the world as the actor mm -hmm. and and through that process cultivating the space of being so that what you're actually doing is you're you're informing the mind body with presence and over time, that seems to allow you to apperceive more of reality as it is. Mm -hmm. Something that came up for me when you were speaking was that a characteristic of this cultivation, this development of the 
experience that persists through transformation mm-hmm. might be something like the development of the belief in yourself self with a big s development mm-hmm. of the belief in your soul uh, an identification with the very possibility it's like the transcendent spring of possibility that enables and is the precondition for experience at all the precondition for for joy for for suffering mm-hmm. importantly the precondition for, as well for the transcendence of suffering and that there is it's this god something that typifies it typifies my experience and i would suggest typifies the experience of all of us really is this unfortunate aspect of the dance between connection and disconnection which is that <laughs> you can sometimes feel more disconnected than mm-hmm. you feel connected mm-hmm. and you know i it's a the word faith comes to mind here and to be used like it's it's almost as though you 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 cultivate a faith mm-hmm. in your capacity to mm-hmm. to remember and come home again to mm-hmm. find connection again so it's this yeah. at one at one thing of coming of remembering the ember within the home within even as you face out into uh-huh. the, to the unknown yeah yeah and faith is the the non-rational mm. isn't it mm-hmm. it's the transrational even yeah and a lot of the time the reason that's pointed back as 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 a surrender i often say um surrendering mentation is purely because a lot of the time the individual is so caught up and identified with their thoughts the toolkit they need is to be shown that by giving up mentation or just surrendering mentation for a moment is the way for them to bring more balance back mm-hmm. because when you do bring balance back mentation isn't an issue overthinking necessarily because you're primarily sitting in the space between you you've already kind of balanced out Mm -hmm. it's like we talked earlier about maybe it's not the best topic to bring up but free will and determination like predetermination not the best but no it's (laughs) just (laughs) but no just the idea that i would see even in myself before i went down the the path of exploring anything spiritual i would look back on that as being a very automated way of living Hmm. it was pretty much devoid of free will in the way that i look at it now Mm -hmm. and that freedom seems to have been regained by using these tools to cultivate the space between stimulus and response right so that now i can clearly discern what is a habituated action or patterned thought process Mm conditioned and what is just pure and arising as inspiration and intuition and authenticity as it is Mm -hmm. two things come to mind one is that due to the grand complexity of life Mm -hmm. the complexity that we're involved in the immense age of the universe and our biological lineage and perhaps our metaphysical lineage the number of ways to express just how patterned 
our existence is, is it's insurmountable. It's, I wonder if it's truly insurmountable, right? Like, so it's not clear to me that authenticity as such is means to, to act from a place where you are totally attendant to mm -hmm. a pure arising where that's understood as not being itself just an expression of another pattern. It seems to me more like the identification with the realization or the, 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 the transcendence of previous patterns and, and sort of like the, the voluntary realization of a what more metaphors come to mind, higher frequency, mm -hmm. a, a, a more maturity, a mm -hmm. deeper sense of awareness and fittedness is it's appropriate for you to walk within a wider net of conception of the world. There's more, mm -hmm. you can appropriately identify right action in mm -hmm. greater domains, larger domains. But that the, the process itself, so I, and I think this is somewhere where we would, again, resonate that the process itself is never ending. The, the, the un, like, is it, would you say, this, the, the unpacking, the, the detangling of becoming who you are? Yeah, no, I would, yeah, it doesn't seem to end. It would seem that we move to a, a higher process, mm -hmm. you might say, instead, but one that is... I suppose almost like biomimicry for some reason that comes to mind because then the the process of your action is springs from nature so perhaps it's not a mimicry but it's by process by it being pure what i mean is it's it's not conditioned by anything previous perhaps previously from a mind's conception of what the world ought to be mm -hmm. we would say because it was it's funny like depends almost what what perspective you want to take on it it's like i have no children one day if i am so fortunate although i can't even hold on to this too much it would be beautiful to to raise children i don't know what that's like and i presume that there are ways that i can develop so that I might be able to do that in a fashion that's more capable than I perhaps could now. Mm -hmm. Now, let's say developing those skills from the perspective of where we're at in this conversation, one part of that would be perhaps waking up into an inherent nature that is there waiting to be activated. So it's embedded within me already to realize and so to the extent awakening that could be understood as, again, this kind of growth, then I am awakening to something that has a, a profound, profoundly deep role, narrative pattern of adaptive functioning in society, in the world. And, and, and so in, in that sense, there is something in me to be awoken that is from one angle sort of preconceived there's a seed there that can evolve into something. It's, it's, it's the manner in which it evolves and particularizes. It's like, it's not just the seed, it's the seed and the ground. And they sort of have to accept each other. And so the dance of transformation mm. occurs between, again, seed and ground, agent and arena, mm -hmm. me and the world in this case, or a family, you know, in a relationship or whatever it is. And the seed and the ground, I mean... 
another way to also look at it is it's perhaps the flower blooming when it's ready mm-hmm. you can't kind of force a, a bud to open mm-hmm. but perhaps when we live in this this space of connecting to where our inspiration is behind the conditioning we're living in a way that's in line with kind of nature itself yes where see where where there's something in me here okay so this is this is another place that we often go to in in the dance we do which is so so we've been sort of discussing the the surrender component the relinquishing of narrative and identity that have become fixed in this moment to align with a novel authentic reimagination of how to be in the world and an important part of that process has to then be okay now we're acting in the world now we are fixing it again now we are grasping it again and that to me is as important as being able to relinquish or surrender so it's this confrontation i used to use the terms confrontation and surrender to sort of articulate something like this with respect to navigating psychedelic experience and look they're words and it doesn't really matter what matters is the meaning and there's something about confrontation that maybe it's slightly too conf- conflictual and so i would say it's this mixture of it's a cooperative confrontation of grasping and again it's about the cycle so whenever you fixate too much on one you destroy its actual meaning and its function because they co-occur but nevertheless we do then we do fix the world we do grasp it and we step out and the ego the ego like bravely mm-hmm. steps forward again in its in its vulnerable and doomed self like it's the price of it is the price of it is death the price of identity is death but but the identity itself is to is to be loved as well you know even though it it cannot last it must be made subservient to the process of the transformation but it's it's yeah i i'm very interested in what processes in what collective processes enable this enable the grasping as well right it's we have to be doing both because mm-hmm. you might say a shadow of of the surrender becomes can tend towards an apathy to or uh, whatever comes mm-hmm. and maybe that's one of it or maybe there's a sense of agency that's lost maybe it, it's maybe surrendering to hey like there's a danger of surrendering at the wrong time might be manipulation by others potentially so i don't know how that how that sounds how that sounds to you there there's so many different ways to take that i know so i mean yeah well hmm. generally in the world at the moment i think it's fair to say there's an overabundance of of thinking with a lack of being so it's more human doing than it is human being so i think part of the the solution being orientated to surrender is perhaps temporary mm-hmm. just so that we can restore balance mm-hmm. and so then context matters so context point, right? does matter yeah 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 it does so in some sense it's like you and i can talk about perhaps ways to be with each other things we might do in the world and it's this is where like things become so concretizing messages can god slip so easy into a misinterpretation and worse still a sort of what engorged 
sense of importance and sometimes to commoditization. Although I think that's, you have to have a slightly different intent for that as well. But it's like, well, it's something so strange about us having this conversation and, and, and it being listened to, to make judgments about the world more broadly. But I, I do agree with you. I, I actually, I feel, I feel that too. At least, at least in the cultures that I've been a part of and grown up in, is that space of surrendering to the moment is uh, the capacity to surrender to the moment is is a critical skill. But whether or not there's an over in, in, in indulgence of of one or the other, like which way the balance is tipping, very difficult to prescribe. Very difficult to prescribe outside of the actual realization of yourself in relationship with someone else. It's, it's tricky. It's hard. Like, cause who are we, who are we speaking? We have to speak. Who are we speaking to? We have to speak to individuals in some important yeah, sense. Yeah, it's difficult to make overall blanket statements. I mean, I suppose you could say it's particularly obvious in the ecological sphere, in the way in which our relationship by the masses is disconnected from nature. Mm -hmm. Yes. I mean, that's yes. very clear. Yes. And that seems to be a outer manifestation of our inner landscapes. Mm -hmm. I think it's fair, it's fair to say that. And the reason why I feel like I can say that confidently is because I've watched it in myself for sure. And, and I, I've seen that interplay even down to just the way I navigate the most mundane experiences in life, like say making a cup of tea in my daily routine and how much presence, how much attention is paid to the world and how that is a natural reflection of the way I'm navigating things in the interior landscape. Mm -hmm. But it's also, it's also this space, it's connecting with this space that to me is actually what meaning is. It's less that I find meaning in particular things mm -hmm. as much as meaning seems to be imbued in direct correlation to how present I am, how full the experience of being alive or how, how much apperception there is of just the felt presence of experience then seems to imbue whatever is contextually happening with meaning. Mm -hmm. It becomes a meaning full. And in some ways, a lot of the actions and there's a lot of seeking I'm seeing in, mm -hmm. in others mm -hmm. where it seems to be what they're seeking for is what is seeking. Yes. And so rather than point fingers at X person is doing this, X country is doing this, they should yes. do that, etc. Actually, these seem to all be one problem, actually. It's not really a political problem, necessarily an ecological problem, one of conservative or liberal, etc. It's transcending that. It's more of a rampantly untamed ego that has lost its connection to the source. And yeah, perhaps as we say, as we said earlier, there's this temporary need to cultivate that space again, to bring harmony. And through that, what we should see is a natural balance 
with our relationship to the earth, to each other, politically, etc. It's it's almost transcends any need for more information, more knowledge. It's actually more wisdom. Mm-hmm. And to some extent, wisdom, you know, it's more about the embodiment of knowledge, let's say. Yes. Than it is about accumulating anything. We're drowning in knowledge. Mm-hmm. I think that's beautifully put. I, this is, uh, what I'm about to do is, is very selfish, but I need to pee. <laughs> <laughs>